Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Give Him some praise as you find your seats this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. Such a sweet presence in this place. Hallelujah. Well, as we continue on in worship, I want to thank you guys for coming out this morning to the Building Christian Fellowship. As you know, This has been quite a year for us here at the Building Christian Fellowship. As you know, our pastors who are soon to return, our pastor had a whole heart transplant. Hallelujah. I don't know how how much of a miracle you understand that that is, but it's nothing short of a miracle. Yeah, we know that, that doctors and physicians were used and surgeons were used, but it's nothing short of a miracle. And so it's been quite a year for us, but here at the Building Christian Fellowship, we also have have come to an understanding that not only did our pastors get a new heart, but us as a church have gotten a new heart. And when you have such a such a, a, a procedure like that that goes so in depth, there's a long recovery process. And it's not something that you can do by yourself. And we thank God that throughout this year that he has sent other members of his body to come here and aid us in the process of recovering and and restoring our health here at the Building Christian Fellowship, giving us strength, lending us strength, linking faith with us. And so this morning, I want you guys to give a warm TBCF welcome to Pastor Lee Brooks, who is here to bring us a word this morning. Hallelujah. This woman of God is one of the awesome generals that God has given to his body, to his army. And she has come here this morning to equip us, to to encourage us, to build us up in our faith, in our hope, in our love this morning. And so I just want you guys to welcome her as she allows the Lord to use her this morning. And listen, some things are taught, other things are caught. So I pray right now that you you ask the Lord, let, the, let, the, let your hearts cry be that the Lord prepare your hands, the hands of your heart to receive what it is that he's gonna say, say this morning through Pastor Lee, amen. We have to be able to receive this, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how great your quarterback is if the receiver can't catch the ball. Do you hear me? Often there's nothing wrong with the transmission. It's a lot, a lot of problems with the receiver. You hear that? So God has a word for us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Lee, for being here with us here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We love you. It's an honor to have you here. Love you. Don't go too far away. Where is the camera? Right where, okay, there it is. 
I want to say this standing up. I'm going to have you help me on my chair in just a second so it doesn't roll. But to Pastors John and Pastor Kaya, we honor you. So, so very honored to be here with you. And I'm not going to cry. Many people have stood in the gap. And we take ownership. We take part of this victory for ourselves. It's teamwork. It's teamwork. We hear the world say it's teamwork that makes the dream work. There you go. You're living proof. So I want to honor you this morning. Thank you so much for having me the last Sunday before you come back in the building. Me and Jesus are going to do our way, our best way, to best to pave the way for your return, your entrance. Your people have been wonderful. They have blessed me from the moment I stepped across the threshold. You've done so good. And also to Mother Butcher, I understand that you're watching. We want to honor you as well. And all the pastors and elders, thank you for having us. And let's see what the Lord will do. All right, the first time I tried the chair, it rolled away from me. That would be too embarrassing to do on a live stream, wouldn't it? <laughs> Building Church, I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. You have no idea. I have wept most of yesterday and last night, just in the Word, but mostly in His presence and thinking about all of you. I have my ministry team will not be surprised by this. I have like seven pages of notes. We might not use any of them. Maybe a couple. But that seems to be my MO. I have notes upon notes upon notes. And then you get there and you just let Jesus do what he wants to do, the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am very honored to be here. When I heard that it was the last Sunday before Pastor Butcher, Pastor John returns, my heart was just quickened. God wants to do something. God wants to do something. You've come to the end of a season, and you're about to step into a new season. Are you ready to step into the new season? God has some wonderful, wonderful things in store. So like I said, before I get into that, I want to tell you that there are a number of people here that are part of my intercessor team. Would you stand up and just wave at the people quickly. Thank you. And you know what's a beautiful thing about it is I didn't have to ask anybody to come. When I said that I was going out, they all said, we want to go, or I'm going. What's the address? We'll be there. So that's a blessing and an honor that people would want to come and support you and come along and support you, most importantly, to come and be a part of this service. So like I said before, I've been very honored to pray along with you as you prayed for Pastor John. I've had our pastors pray at my church. And the last time that we prayed together as pastors in our pastor prayer meeting for Pastor John was just days before, well, we've prayed since then, but one significant time was just days before the heart was found. And I prayed, and I took a little rubbing for this because I said, Lord, let it be a heart of a Christian that's going to their reward. And they said, you want a saved heart, Pastor Lee? <laughs> yes, but we want to pray somebody 
into heaven as opposed to somebody that's not ready yet to meet Jesus. But more specifically, I prayed. I said, Lord, we need a strong heart. We need a faithful heart. We need a loyal heart. We need a heart like the man. And it was just days, and the Lord made way for the heart. So Pastor John and Pastor Kaya, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. The best is yet to come. All right, I'm not going to stay on that forever. I believe there's a time in the life of every believer where everything hangs in the balance. And I don't know if they told you, but I'm a prayer pastor. And so if I show up, it's probably going to be about prayer. So I hope I didn't lose you right there because prayer is a glorious thing. Prayer is how we become so intimate with the Lord. I love prayer. I am passionate about prayer. I talk about prayer. I breathe prayer. I almost eat prayer. And then I actually pray. Because we can get caught up in talking about prayer more than we pray. And so I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm talking about it, because it's my favorite topic. So I have to remind myself, okay, well, actually pray. Don't just talk about it so much. Come aside. Take some time to not always be talking about it and pouring out and teaching others, which I love to do, but to spend time with the Lord. I love prayer because I have seen God do miraculous things, as you have. You are now part of the inheritors of the supernatural and of the miraculous. Prayer has been around since the beginning of times, and we first see it in Genesis when Adam has another son after Cain kills Abel. His name is Seth. And Seth has a child that they named Enosh. So this is Adam's grandson. And scripture tells us when Enosh was born at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And we're still calling upon the name of the Lord if we're wise. There's no other name to call upon. There's no other name greater. And so prayer has been around for a long time. And I teach prayer in a couple of our training schools. And there's so many different types of prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about one type of prayer today that you've become very familiar with. But I'm going to talk because Pastor Donald almost prayed my topic. Um, And I was like, pull it back. Pull it back. Pull it back. You're going ahead of me. There's so many different types of prayer. But there's personal prayer. There's ministering prayer. There's prayer that we do at the altars when we minister one to another. There's prayers of relinquishment where we surrender and relinquish and take our hands off of stuff that we didn't need to be holding on because we're on the one hand asking God to do something for us, but we're squeezing the life out of this thing that he's asking us to give up. So we have to relinquish those things. There's a prayer that goes with that. There's spiritual warfare. There's authoritative prayer where we shift from our petitions and asking to commanding the realm of darkness in the name of Jesus. There's all types of prayer, but there are three things that I believe are common components to all prayer. One is there's the physical. It's what we can see. We just saw Pastor Donald pray. There's the spiritual. There's a spiritual battle going on. Every time we are in prayer, we are activating the forces of God to come against 
the forces of darkness. So if we could just get a glimpse into the spirit realm and see when we're praying, do you know that you can pray very strategically? And I like to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a strategy for prayer. Show me how to pray over this situation or for this person or for that person. And if you ask the Lord to do that, as you are in prayer, many times the strategy will come forth and you begin to pray very strategically. Lord, let them run into a Christian over here. Lord, block that thing over there. Lord, remove everything that's not good for them. Lord, sever the ties of all the relationships that are holding them back. Lord, do whatever it takes. And this is the dangerous prayer when we start saying, Lord, do whatever it takes to bring them to the full knowledge of Christ Jesus. That's a dangerous, dangerous prayer. Be ready to deal with that. Be ready. Sometimes it's needed. We need to do that. We need to do that with our prodigals. Sometimes it have been way out there forever and ever. And the more we pray, the worse they get. That's what my mother used to tell us. The more I pray for you guys, the worse you get. And it seems like that happens. But there comes a time when it's appropriate to say, Lord, do whatever it takes. And when we pray that prayer, be surrendered to what his will is. Be ready to say yes and amen to his will. So we have the physical, and then we have the spiritual, what's happening in the spirit realm as we pray. And then here's the thing. We hope and we pray that all our good prayers, all our correct prayers, have eternal value. There should be something happening that impacts eternity. So now nobody prays for parking spots more than me. But that probably doesn't have eternal value. I don't think I'm going to need a car when I get to heaven. Is it okay to pray that prayer? Absolutely. But when we pray, particularly when we pray with others, when we pray corporately, when we have all church prayer, when we have group prayers, and even as a discipline in our own lives, we need to come away from, Lord, I need a new pair of shoes. Lord, I need a parking spot. Lord, where's my husband? Lord, where's this? Lord, where's that? We need to come away from those things and pray about the things that have eternal value. Now, the husband could be eternal value. Don't settle. Let me just say that for free. Just throw that in there for free. Don't settle. Wait for the one that has the eternal value. That, that hit pretty well, huh? <laughs> Same thing for the wife. Don't settle. Don't settle. Equal opportunity. Somebody over here said when you were describing the winter ball, they said, only married people can go. I want to come. That sounds like a blast. We're going to dress up and dance and get our groove on. That sounds like fun. But I believe that there comes a point in every believer's life where everything hangs in the balance. Your back is against the wall and everything is hanging in the balance. And you realize that your wits, your money, your status, your cuteness, your car, your kids, all the things that you value, all the things that you think and hold highly in your esteem, none of that is going to fix this. It's an only God time. And you all have just come through that season. As cute as some of y'all are, you couldn't fix Pastor John's heart. You could take up the biggest offering ever known to man and not be able to fix his heart. Everything was hanging in the balance. And I believe this happens in the life of every Christian. I've had that happen in my life. And let me tell you, you are never the same after that. When everything is hanging in the balance, that means that it's very uncertain how this thing is going to pan out. It's a life or death situation. 
It could be a financial ruin situation if things don't go a certain way. It could be a divorce situation. If God doesn't intervene, then that spouse is going to walk out. It could be an illness like what you've walked through. It could be something where if God doesn't intervene, it's not going to go. That's what I call everything hanging in the balance. So this morning, I want to talk to you about that. And my topic, if you like topics, is called the prayer that transforms. The prayer that transforms. Pastor Donald hit on that. And I was like, stop. The prayer that transformed. When Pastor Raquel called me and communicated to me that the elders would like to invite me to come today and speak. In that moment, the Lord said, when you get there, ask them this question right out the gate, right out the gate. First off, ask them this question. And that question is building fellowship. Do you know who you are anymore? Do you even recognize yourselves? Do you recognize yourselves? I want you to just ponder that. What you have come through has changed you. You might not even know how much you've changed. But what you have persevered through has changed you. I'm going to talk about an example in the Bible that I think the Lord would like for us to look at. But I have to give you a little background first. We're going to talk about the story of Jacob. Many of you are familiar with the story of Jacob. And so we look at Jacob, and it's just mind-boggling to me how he got to be one of the patriarchs of Israel. You know, we often hear, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I was like, not Jacob. (laughs) But, yes, Jacob. And the story of Jacob tells us several things. It tells us that it's not about you. It's about what God has destined It's about about what God has planned. The anointing on your life, the blessing on your life, it's not because you're that talented. It's not because you're that great. The anointing is for the people. Did you know that? The anointing is for the people. The anointing is so that people will be ministered to, so that they will be drawn. Thank goodness it doesn't have anything to do with our character because many times our character is not what it needs to be. So we look at this story of Jacob, and I'm just going to give you a little background before we get to the main thing I want to talk about. And then at the end of this time, I want to do some ministry. There's a couple groups I want to pray over. I'm the prayer pastor, so we got to pray. We're going to do some ministry. But Jacob from the womb struggled to be first, struggled to be dominant. He came out grasping the heel of his older brother Esau, who was his twin. And I've thought about this story a lot because I've been in it since however long it was that you invited me. If we're fearfully and wonderfully made in our mother's womb, then that drive was placed in him from the beginning. We often think, oh, he was just so horrible. He was a trickster. He was a liar. He was this. He was that. He was all those things. But in the womb, he had a drive and a desire to be first. He had a drive and a desire to obtain the blessing, and the birthright of the firstborn. So we see throughout his life, he tricks his brother in order to get the birthright. And if you don't know the story, go back in Genesis. I think you can start around chapter 30, somewhere in there. 
and go through 32, 34, up to the story of Joseph, his son. And be familiar with this story because there's, it'll preach on so many levels. I mean, there's, you could spend a year preaching out of this story. But he tricked his brother. He was his mother's favorite. And this was a generational thing in their family. Isaac was his father, and Isaac loved um, Esau, and Rebekah loved Jacob. And it speaks so loudly that sometimes when we have favorites, and I don't know if we can not have favorites. I'm just going to say this to the parents. You don't have to shake your head or nothing. Don't acknowledge it. Don't let nobody let you see. I only have one child, so I didn't get to pick. I didn't have this dilemma. He was my favorite. He's still my favorite. But when you have multiple children, I think they ought to all be your favorite. Just tell them all, you're my favorite, you're my favorite. I think that if you have a favorite, the heart wants what the heart wants. So I can't really speak to that. I can't say that that's wrong. I'm not that deep. I'm not that knowledgeable. But I think that you, that's something you can keep to yourself. You don't have to tell them. You don't have to show it. You don't have to pit them one against the other. And so in all of this scheming that Jacob did against his brother Esau, his mother was a partner in crime. She was helping him along the way. She helped him to trick his father as he was dying to obtain the birthright. Now, the important thing about the birthright to understand is that the birthright was the inheritance, not just of the physical things, but it was also the inheritance of the authority of the father after he was gone. You would get to be the judicial authority and make the decisions for the family after the father was gone. Now, remember, in the womb, he was trying to be first. I believe that that was something that was just in him. And you can look at this story, and you can pick it apart, and you can see that Esau probably made some mistakes, and maybe he wasn't strong enough to really be the leader. And so, therefore, it made it easy for Jacob to come in. We could sit and have a group talk about this and go back and forth. But I'll let you come to your own conclusions about that. But what the story shows is that despite his conniving, despite his deceit, despite his lying, despite his scheming, he came to a point where everything was hanging in the balance. And all of that was not going to fix him or help. So before he gets to this part, he meets his match. He tricks his father, gets the birthright, Esau it says, as soon as dad dies, I'm killing you. Straight up. I'm going to kill you as soon as he's dead. So his mother says, go away. Go to my family. Go to my relatives. And, you know, you can find a wife there. So he goes away and he meets his match in his soon-to-be father-in-law, Laban. He meets his match. Laban says, he falls in love with Rachel, first of all. This is his cousin. He falls in love with her. And he wants her. So he approaches her dad. And Laban says, I'll give her to you if you work for me for seven years. So he worked for him for seven years. And Laban gave him the other sister. (laughs) Met his match, didn't he? And you almost can't feel too sorry for him, even though you know this is wrong. You're almost like, hmm, what goes around comes around. Well, anyway, so then he still wants Rachel. but And so Laban is shrewd as well. And Laban says, well, you know what? I, but I will give you Rachel, but you got to work another seven years. So he works another seven years. Now, that's 14 years. And then after that, 
Laban still doesn't want him to leave. He wants him to stay there and help him because he's now, Jacob is now an expert herdsman. Laban is prospering with his flocks under the care of Jacob. So he tells him, stay here with me a while longer. So he stays another six years, 20 years, 20 years. Finally, the Lord tells him it's time to return home. He wants to go home. Scripture shows us that he's missing home. He's longing for home. But it also says that with great fear, you know, he realizes that he's going to have to go back home and face his brother. He's going to have to face the music because he told him, as soon as dad dies, I'm killing you. Dad is now dead. And now you got to go home and face the music. So I think you have a slide Jacob starts out going home. Very good. Genesis 32, 1 and 2 tells us, Then as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him to reassure and protect him. Because he's scared. He's scared witless. Everything is hanging in the balance. He's going home. His brother's going to kill him. And his brother, by the way, was a hunter. So he had some skills. He could kill you. And so... He meets these angels. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanam, which means double camps. Now, one of the commentators that I read says that this view of the double camps here could indicate that he's on his way home. He's got his wives. He's got his children. He's got his flocks. He's got everything. He's on his way home. So one camp is his family that represents the church, militant here on earth and then he meets the angels who are the host from heaven and whenever you see host that means it's an army so they are the armies of heaven so he's got his natural army militant representing the church and then there's the heavenly hosts on the other side and he calls this double camps because he's got his family and he's got the angels that had to bring him some comfort but he was still scared And I want to tell you that you've been through a season of double camps. You've had the church militant in prayer. If nobody was militant but me, there was some militant prayer going on. You have warred and warred against the enemy and against anything that would come to rob and steal and take away what God has ordained. And while you were doing that, there were angels all around. There were angels at the hospital. There were angels here in this building. There were angels following you guys around. There were angels all around this building. What God has ordained, he will redeem if necessary. But he's he's going to make sure that it doesn't even get to the point where it needs to be redeemed. He's going to bring it to pass. Whatever God has ordained, he will do. So anyway, we go on. And so Joseph now takes Jacob, I'm sorry, Jacob takes the family across the river and puts them in two different spots because he's still scared. He's seen the angels. He recognizes that he's got the host of heaven with him. He's got his family here on earth. He separates his family into two different camps. And he's thinking that if one camp is taken, because Esau's on his way, if with 400 men, I left that out. He sent out messengers and they come back and they say, he's on his way, dude. He's got 400 people with him. So he's still really scared. So he 
separates the family, one half over here, one half over there. He feels like if one half gets taken out, then the other half will make it. Everything's hanging in the balance. You got to make some tough decisions. You got to make some hard, hard choices. So then he goes back across the river and he's alone. And now this is the account that I want us to look at. This is what I feel like the Lord wants us to really look at. And it starts in Genesis 32, chapter 24. It says, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now I want to pause there and say nothing tells us that did, did Jacob know this was getting ready to happen? This man appears and they just start fighting. It's so odd to me when I think about that story. Did he have a prophetic unction that he was going to have this wrestling, that this was going to happen? And then also, this man is the angel of the Lord or Christ pre-incarnate, and he could win. But he's allowing Jacob to wrestle because I believe now this is actually Jacob. Jacob is coming to repentance. Jacob is at the end of his rope. Everything is hanging in the balance. Jacob realizes I cannot scheme my way out of this. And so this wrestling is a picture, a portrait of what we do when we're contending in prayer. This is what you were doing. You were wrestling. You're wrestling. Now, the Lord could have won, but he lets him wrestle. Sometimes the Lord lets us keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And we've been praying for a long time and we're praying for the breakthrough and we're looking for the breakthrough and we're waiting for God to intervene. He could intervene at any time. He could intervene when we first uttered the first few words, but it's for our good that he lets us learn how to contend. And we do it by supernatural strength. We can't even do it in our own strength. You can't even contend in prayer unless God gives you the tenacity to do that. So we all of a sudden grab hold of something that is supernatural, something that is in that spirit realm so that we can pray things into the spirit realm that have eternal value. Does that make sense to anybody? So let's move on. And he said, this is the, the man, the angel of the Lord. He said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I love that. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, the angel of the Lord didn't have to be at work. He didn't say, let me go because the day is breaking because I got to get to work or I got to get somewhere. He knew that Jacob had business to take care of. The day is about to dawn. Esau is steadily marching towards you with 400 men. You got things to do, dude. And so you need to let me go. But Esau realizes all those same things. I'm sorry. Jacob realizes all those same things. And he says, I'm not letting you go because everything is still hanging in the balance. You have to bless me. You have to bless me. Verse 28. And he said, after he has told the angel that his name is Jacob, and the angel says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Now, remember, Jacob meant what was what is the word it was um oh gosh I have it further up in my name but he was a deceiver we'll say that until I can get back to the other real name trickster he was a trickster he says your name will no longer be called that but Israel 
I'm renaming you. I'm calling you Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed them there. And when you look up blessed in the original language, it means that he saluted him. He congratulated him. The battle had been won. You got to learn how to pray things all the way through and feel the salute of the Lord. When you pray something all the way through and get to that point where you are released from that burden, there is a salute in the spirit that you will feel. There is a congratulatory thing. There is a well done that you can feel in the spirit. And it's a real thing. And nobody has to tell you, you know, you know, you are released. You know, you have prayed it all the way through. You still may not know how it's going to turn out, but you know, it is well, you know, it is well. So verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And that's because he says, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I saw God and I didn't die. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. He limped for the rest of, the, of his life. I believe that the indication here of the sun rising on him is that he was walking in newness. He was walking into a new day. He was walking into a new season. Building church, you're walking into a new season. You have wrestled with God. You have seen the face of God and you have prevailed. You have learned how to stand and pull down a supernatural strength that didn't even come from you, that there's no way you could have even conceived of it. But it was the tenacity to go the distance. It was the tenacity to pray. It was the tenacity to hold on. It was the tenacity to keep showing up. It was the tenacity to keep serving. And it came from God so that you could fight the battle on his behalf so that it would have eternal value. And maybe all you saw, maybe all other people saw was the natural part. There they are praying again. They're really praying. I'm sure the people at the hospitals thought that many times. They're really praying. What they didn't see is that there was a war going on. There was a war going on. There was a spiritual value. You were prevailing in Jesus' name. By his strength, you were prevailing. You were prevailing. You have seen the face of God. You have struggled with men and with God in prayer. You have contended. And you're still here. You didn't die. And you've prevailed. You've learned how to grab hold of the supernatural. You've learned how to hang in there and lay hold on the promises, on the miracles, on the blessing, on the thing that you need to see because everything was hanging in the balance. And if you did not keep contending, what would have happened? So the last thing I want to say about Jacob and then we're going to do some ministry. He wrestled until he was transformed. There's that word again. It was the prayer that transformed. He hung in there. And I believe that there was a spiritual and a natural battle going on then. I'm sure it wasn't a silent wrestling. There were some grunts and some groans. I don't know if Jacob had a prayer language, but he probably got one. He was wrestling because everything was hanging in the balance. He was transformed. He, he never walked the same again. 
he had a limp. But scripture doesn't indicate that it even hurt when the angel of the Lord touched his hip because he kept right on fighting. He didn't even skip a beat. And he walked. And I'm thinking that he was probably pretty proud of that limp, that limp as he walked out the rest of his days. He's no longer the supplanter or the deceiver or the trickster. He's now Israel, meaning that he had struggled with God and men and had prevailed. This story shows us that what God has ordained will come to pass. It shows us that our reliance must be on him alone. In my last screen, here's the components of the prayer that transforms. Number one, everything hangs in the balance. You can't talk by or charm your way out. Number two, you've tried to figure it out, though, and you finally concluded that a miracle is needed. Number three, you relent, and in parentheses I said repent, because I think Joseph had to do some repenting, and oftentimes we need to do some repenting. You've come to the end of yourself. You know that only God, and you've been trying to do all this stuff, and so you need to repent. As you relent, repent. Those two things are synonymous, I believe, in that situation. Number four, you tap into that newfound tenacity that I mentioned already, the strength that's only available in God. And then number five, you wrestle until you have prevailed in prayer. You wrestle until you get the salute from heaven. And the victory goes to you for that round. For that round. For that round. There's going to be other challenges, church. I don't think there's going to be any quite like this, but there's going to be some other challenges. But while you were going through this, and this is why I asked you, this is why the Lord asked you, do you even recognize yourself? Because he's been building something on the inside of you. Something is being built up on the inside of you. You are no longer who you used to be when you went into this situation with Pastor John and with all of that. You're somebody different because you hung in there and prayed and wrestled in prayer until you prevailed. You've been transformed. You now have an advanced degree in how to wrestle and lay hold of the promise. You now are not a weak, average, and I hope that all the Christians are not weak. We'll just say you're no longer an average Christian. But now you've stepped into a whole new realm of spiritual power and spiritual tenacity. You've stepped into that place where you've crossed over from petitioning prayer to spiritual warfare and authoritative prayer where you command that the darkness move back. You command that the enemy take his hand off of you and yours and all that belongs to the Lord. So I've had in my heart since I knew I was coming, even before that, a huge well done. Well done, church. Well done. Well done. You have hung in there, and I believe that is the heart of the Lord for you. I just feel a huge well done. He kept coming back. He kept praying. He kept serving. He kept your faith growing. Your faith should actually be pretty huge about now, you know, because these are faith growers, these kinds of things. And so I want to close by saying there's two groups.
that I want to pray for, and then I'm going to have Pastor Donald close the service out. But the first group, you might still be in the battle. You might be in a battle, in the midst of the battle right now. And you need prayer because you're not sure if you can go the distance. You're not prayer, not sure that you know how to tap into that supernatural tenacity. And the Lord wants us to pray for you and encourage you. And there's going to be some breakthrough for you in that area this morning. So if you are brave enough, I'm going to ask that we all stand our feet. And if you're brave enough and if you need prayer for the battle that you're in, and you're not sure you can do it. You're not sure you can go the distance. The wrestling is hard. And these kind of things are hard. There's no shame in that. But if you would just lift your hand or if you'd like to come down front here, I'd like to just pray over you that the Lord would just equip you and enable you to go the distance. Thank you, Lord. Come on down. Don't be afraid. There's no shame. I went through a battle one time when everything was hanging in the balance, and mine was pretty much mental and emotional. The Lord called me to do something and step out and move to another place, and I did, and I ended up in a valley of despair like I've never experienced before. And I prayed, and I told the Lord, I said, you sent me here, and I won't leave unless you release me, but I'll never ask to be released. But if you release me, I'm going home. I had to stay there for three years. Three is the perfect number. I had to stay there for three years. But I felt something being built on the inside of me. I couldn't have told you what it was, but I told people I feel like God is building something in me, and I don't know what it is. I came back, and I'd like to tell you that things got better. I died after that. That's a whole other story. So there will be other challenges. But you know what? You don't have to freak out because something has been built on the inside. Now you know how to war. Now you know how to lay hold of the promises. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands and receive. In the name of Jesus, I pray over these, Father. You know the situations that they face. You know the challenges that they are in, Lord. And them coming up is acknowledging before you everything is hanging in the balance but God. Everything is hanging in the balance, Lord, unless you do something, unless you miraculously move. We need divine intervention, Father, for each and every one of these. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that faith would arise. I pray that it would increase. I pray that discouragement would fall off in the name of Jesus. We come against every lie of the enemy that wants you to believe that it's not going to happen. If his lips are moving, he's lying. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. His native tongue is lie. And so we speak the truth of God to penetrate your hearts and your minds and all of your being. We speak the spirit of truth to be your portion in this moment and going forward. We call those things that are out of order, these situations, Lord, we call them into alignment in the name of Jesus. We call, Lord, forth the blessing the miracle that they need, Lord. You know what they need. Whatever it is, Lord, we call it forth and we ask that you would do it in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would surround them with the hosts of heaven so that they would have a double camp, Lord. They would have the church militant here on earth and they would have the hosts of heaven surrounding them. 
and watching over them and encouraging them and ministering to them. I pray that you would send people to pray for them, Lord. I pray that you would give their brothers and sisters and their family and other people that they come in contact with, give them a supernatural grace and compassion for these as they walk through it, Lord. Bless, Lord. Bless, Lord. Bless, Lord. Bless, Lord. Bless in the name of Jesus. We call it forth. The blessings of the Lord that maketh rich in every way. We call it forth, Lord. Chains must fall off. Everything that wants to be a hitchhiker and attach itself to you, it must fall off in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against it. The blood of Jesus is against it. And I pray, Father, that you would ignite a passion for prayer. Prayer is the only answer. You would ignite a passion for prayer. That, Lord, they would pray and be in communion with you all day and all night. And everywhere they go, they would just be calling upon your name. That they would have a conversation with you that goes on and on and on. Because you're just a whisper away, Lord. You're just a whisper away. Teach them, Lord, how to lay hold. How to lay hold of everything that they need. It's all in you, Lord. All our fountains are in you. Everything that we have need of, it's in you. Now there's a next season coming, Lord. We're about to step into this next season, Lord, effective immediately. And I pray that they walk into it completely confident of who they are and of whose they are. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so we ask that God would arise and his enemies be scattered over their lives, Lord. Everything that concerns them, Father, we pray that you would arise in the midst of it. We speak the name of Jesus over them, over their families, over their homes, over their jobs, over their situations. We speak the name of Jesus into these things that are hanging in the balance. Fix it, Lord. Fix it, Lord fix it, Lord. Now pray for a new hunger, a new hunger to not be satisfied with where we are today, but to want more and more and more and more and more. And the more that they get, Lord, let them want more. This is the time to be greedy. More and more and more, Lord. Bless them, Father. Let them walk out of here feeling lighter than when they came in. And Lord, I'm asking that you turn some things around even in the next few days. I'm asking, Lord, that there would be some praise reports that come in that tell us that some things were broken. Some assignments were broken. We cancel assignments in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that they would give the testimony because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I pray that they would tell it near and far, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can return to your seats. I got another group that I want to pray for. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now I want all the pastors and elders to come up and stand right here in front of me. And I want the people that come from my team to come and stand behind you. I'm going to pray. They're just going to lay their hands on you. They're vetted by me. So you don't have to worry. They're not weird people. Most of the time. No, they're not. They're great. 
I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for standing. What you did in this season was not just for Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. It's for legacy. There's a whole generation of young people behind you that you are training up and teaching by your actions how to persevere, how to persist in prayer, how to stand, how to draw a line and stand and not allow the enemy to encroach over that line and discourage you and make you back down. There's a generation of young people that are watching you. They are going to be your legacy. What you have done is for this region. Your church says outside, not just a church in Sassoon City, but a church for Sassoon City. You've demonstrated that. You've shown the realm of darkness that you mean that, that you're serious about that. And I just want to thank you. The Lord loves what you have done. There is a well done. And now you're going into this new season. You're equipped. You got some new equipping that you didn't have before. And now you know how to call down heaven like never before. Now you know how to command in the authority of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how to command that darkness release its grip on anything in your sphere of influence. You have the authority to bind and rebuke and kick out, kick the devil back to where he belongs. You have that authority. And now you're going to walk in that. So, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would touch each one. I pray right now in the name of Jesus a fresh anointing. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, a fresh fire, a fresh passion. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, an authority that they have never had before, Lord, that they are going to walk in a whole new authority because these are joint heirs to the throne of God. They're not orphans. They're not stepchildren. They're joint heirs to the throne. They are children of the most high God. This is a royal priesthood, Lord, right here. These are priests and ministers. These are intercessors of the highest order. And I pray now, Father, that they would walk in that authority. I pray, Lord, that they would pull their shoulders back and hold their head up high and they would walk out of this season into the next season saying, look what the Lord has done. We can't wait to see what he's getting ready to do next. We know the power that is ours in Christ Jesus. And I want them to be able to stand, Lord, with all of that, your name, through your blood, standing on your word, faces like flint, looking to the author and the finisher of their faith, never backing down, never backing down. And I speak multiplication over you, that you would multiply, that you would reproduce, that you would reproduce in this building, in this church, in this region, that you would reproduce, that each of you would reproduce 10 more at least so that we would have a full army of people, Lord, who know who they are in Christ Jesus, who are prepared and equipped and ready 
and anxious for the battle. Lord, I pray that we would not draw back, but we would be a ready force, Lord. We'd be like spoiling for the fight. Come on, enemy. We're ready for you because we know what to do. We know whose we are. We just have to call upon that name. No fear, no trepidation. And I speak to weariness. Be broken off in the name of Jesus. A fresh and filling of supernatural strength. Supernatural strength, Lord. Let great ministry come forth, Lord, like never, ever, 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 ever before. Lord, I'm praying that there would be a shift in the atmosphere over this region because the season is changing. The season is changing. So we call forth a shift in the spiritual atmosphere. We thank you for what you've done in the natural. We thank you that this group has prevailed in the spiritual. And now we pray for eternal value. We pray, Lord, that hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands will come because of this experience. Because when everything hung in the balance, the people of God wrestled with God in prayer, contended with God in prayer and prevailed. I speak that, that spirit of Israel, I speak that over you. You are the ones who have wrestled with God and with man and you have prevailed. You have prevailed. Now, the Lord kind of dropped this in my spirit. I don't know who this is for. There's no comparison in how we fight our battles. There's no comparison. Each one does what the Lord commands. Each one follows where the Lord leads. Each one does what the Lord says do. The Lord might tell one person to fast. He might tell the other person, stand on your head in the corner and pray. There's no comparison. Be obedient. Be obedient whatever it is that the Lord says to you. Don't let the enemy come in and say, you're carrying an awful big part of this load. Don't let that be a distraction. You keep running your race. And you keep running your race. And you keep running your race. Now, Father, I pray that you bless them. I pray that everything that's happened in this season would be sealed, every good thing, that it would be sealed in the name of Jesus. And we impart into them, by your spirit, a fresh passion for intercession, a fresh passion for intercession. A powerful church is a praying church. Powerful leaders are praying leaders. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Pray often. Pray much. And take joy in it. Enjoy your Lord as he enjoys you. He is for you. He is for you. I pray that you bless them, Lord. Everything they stand in need of, God, I pray, Lord, that there would be a great reward. Your word tells us that you reward obedience. And as they've stood in obedience, Lord, I pray that a reward would come forth for each one. Whatever that looks like, Lord, you know them. You made them. 
for the great honor from heaven, great favor, great grace, and great blessing will be their portion. Thank you for them, Lord. Multiply them, Lord. We need many, many, many more of them in the kingdom. Multiply them, Lord. And we give you all the praise, Lord, and all the honor, and all the glory. I want everybody to say, amen. Thank you, church. It's been an honor. Next weekend, I'm going to be thinking about you, and I'll be grinning. It's a new day, church. It's a new day. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. God bless you. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.